0: Real Presence Live. Religion
1: has understood things about the way humans function long before science was able to prove anything. Local.
2: It's always important for all of us to kind of look externally and say, what about these family? They are just like the Holy Family. They're experiencing the same persecution.
3: Engaging. Jesus wants to be with us. I always think of that as at the heart of the Eucharist
0: live a mystery then of the rosary allows us to see a teaching of the church but to be able to go deeper within that teaching
3: good morning i am heather carrow and i'm chris Euler. thank you for joining us this fine beautiful spring morning this is real presence live we're broadcasting to you live this morning from aberdeen south dakota it's a gorgeous morning but before we get too far my new co-host, Chris, we're going to put you on the spot, and you're going to start us off with a little bit of a prayer this morning. All right,
1: absolutely, and let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Jesus, we thank you and we praise you. We just ask you for your continued blessing upon us, and we just thank you for who you are and what you gave to us in your suffering, death, and resurrection. We just ask you to continue to guide us each day to eternal life to help us become as holy as we can be provided that we also help others become as holy as they can be and we bring this all to you as we pray glory be to the father and to the son and to the, the holy spirit, spirit. as As it was in the beginning, beginning, is is now, now and ever ever shall be, be, world world without end. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
3: Amen. Well, welcome. This is Heather Caro and Chris Euler this morning. We're broadcasting to you live from Aberdeen, South Dakota. And thank you for joining us for Real Presence Live. Before we get too far into our show, um, I want to head it back to Fargo. And Aaron is going to tell us everything that's going on this morning.
2: Well, thank you very much, Heather. We look forward to a fun show today. In the gospel, Jesus speaks of the parable of the talents. And Dwayne Eichley from the Light of Christ Catholic Schools in Bismarck will share how his students took this parable and put it right into action. Then get your questions ready for straight talk. We've got Dr. Chris Bergwald being ready for those questions about the faith. Then in the second hour, we have Chelsea Hartman from the Bismarck Diocese to begin the hour on the beautiful things going on with a camp called Camp Recreation. She will speak more on that. And Monsignor Brian Donahue of the Diocese of Fargo will be with us to share about the goodness of praying for those who have given their lives in the line of duty. We've got a great show lineup right here on Real Presence Live.
3: All right. Thanks, Aaron.
2: Thank you, guys.
3: How's the weather up in Fargo?
2: You know, it's sunny, and I think it might be in the 60s. We might get a little mm. bit warmer today, perfect. but uh, perfect, it's gorgeous. How about you guys?
3: We're we're about the same boat, I would guess.
2: Absolutely, no nice. wind. Ooh. No
3: wind. Let's mark it down. Absolutely, we write gotta. it down in the history books.
1: Very, <laughs> Very nice. be Teaching that for years to come.
3: <laughs> there was this one day <laughs> in May. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We should
1: call up the state legislators. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Thanks, well, thank guys. you. Aaron. Yeah, thank you.
3: Well, for those of you that are just tuning in, you're listening to Real Presence Live and I'm Heather Caro and Chris Euler. This is your first time co-hosting. Yeah,
1: my first time. I'm pretty excited. It's it's going to be a, it'll be good. A fun new little experience. I hope
3: you have fun cuz I oh, think yeah. it's fun time.
1: I'm having fun already. I got to say. Well, there say. you go. It's we're off to a good, good. start. Absolutely.
3: <laughs> well, and it'll be interesting because a couple of the people that we're interviewing today, you actually know them.
1: I do know. I know two of the people that we're interviewing. I know yes. Dwayne Eichley. Uh, he was actually my seventh and eighth grade religion teacher cool. back when I was a, a little little guy, and then Chelsea Hartman I know as well. I know her as Chelsea Roshow actually formerly from my days of going to the search program and then the Bismarck okay. Diocese, um, and so uh, it'll be pretty fun to it will have be fun to talk with them I guess had no idea until yesterday that I'd be talking to them. So. I know. Kind of cool. I
3: love it. I always love it when you're like, hey, I know them. Oh, yeah. But we're going to learn more about you as a person. Who is Chris Euler? That's going to be coming up at 920 this morning. Oh, boy. So Buckle up.
1: Buckle up, folks. <laughs> I don't know if we
3: have enough time to unwrap all of Chris, but you know, we'll get started at least. Um,
1: Jesus help us. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, let's head on over to our first interview this morning. It's Dwayne Eichley. Good morning, Dwayne. Good morning. How are you? Well, I'm doing very well, thank you, and how are you? I am good. Did you know that your former student was going to be interviewing you this morning? Yeah,
1: good, morning well, I, good morning, Mr. Eichley.
3: <laughs> good morning,
4: Mr. Euler. How are you?
1: I'm doing it's, really I'm, well.
3: I'm, I'm honored
4: and pleased to, uh, to visit with the both of you this morning.
1: Absolutely, same. We're glad to have you.
3: Well, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Um,
4: well, as you said, my name is Dwayne Eichling. I'm married to my beautiful wife, Doreen. In fact, next week it's going to be our 40th wedding anniversary. Wow. Congratulations. Um, we have, well, thank you. We have four sons that uh, went all the way through um, Catholic grade school and Catholic high school here in Bismarck, and eight grandchildren. I've, uh, I'm currently a religion teacher at the St. Mary's Academy in Bismarck, and I've been um, teaching religion for 34 years. So wow. that's a little bit about me.
3: So how was he as a religion teacher, Chris?
1: He was pretty good. Pretty good? <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hey, he <laughs> was the...
3: <laughs>
1: well, so I had him seventh and eighth grade, uh-huh. and that end of our eighth grade year we got confirmed, so by then we had we knew a lot about the faith and had to be ready to kind of take on a new role and make the faith our own. And so I'd say he prepared a lot of us very well.
3: Important time in people's lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, today we're going to be talking about the parable of the talents and how your students have put this parable into action. What are we talking about here?
4: Well, um, first of all, I can't take the credit for this. I'm borrowing Mm -hmm. a story that was... uh, it was told by another teacher in the hills of Galilee some 2,000 years ago. Um, Jesus used parables to teach um, deeper religious truths and lessons, and I love stories. I use stories in my classroom, and, um, and I think Jesus was a master storyteller. Um, his parables taught us about the kingdom of God, God's grace, and Judgment Day. And all of his parables kind of follow a similar pattern. Um, they're built on similes. They're, his stories are true to life. Um, they present us with a challenge, and His his parables have a bit of a surprise element to them, um, something I like to call the squirm factor. Um, if mm. you really open your heart and listen to the, the teaching of the parables, um, it kind of challenges us a little bit, and sometimes it puts us on the hot seat. And, and I, I like to pass that on to my students. And so out of the parables, the parable of the talents, is the one which I drew inspiration for this project. Um, we, um, we chose to, to, um, to give the proceeds to the Diocesan Kenya Mission and their water filtration program. Cool. Um, I talked to my fellow 7th grade teaching team, and we integrated this idea across all the 7th grade curriculum. Um, in science class, they did water um, filtration experiments in math, they created a financial plan to map their activity in this project and track their progress. English language arts, they created a journal, um, in which the students recorded all of their decision making process, um, wrote a reflection essay, had their parents sign off on what they were doing, um, and, and be in support of them. Social studies, they studied life in Kenya, since that's the area that, that we were, you know, trying to impact. In health class, they examined internal emotional rewards of performing random acts of kindness. And even our school counselor got involved. He came into our classes and talked about how one's life is altered when basic human needs, needs aren't met. And um, something that we're not really familiar with here, because we have life pretty good. Um, and then to wrap it up, in religion, um, I taught my students about, obviously, the parables, but the works of mercy and the social teachings of the Catholic Church. And then through the gift of a generous donor, each student, um, like in the parable of talents, each student was given a, a certain amount of talents. They were given a $10 bill and approximately 18 days in which to grow their talents. Um, we have 200, and I'm sorry, we have 107 seventh grade students. and uh, so we had all of them participated and all the teachers participated alongside our students. And the end result was our students came in with um, ten thousand eight hundred and sixty dollars,
2: and starting
4: with twelve hundred yeah, starting with twelve hundred dollars oh Absolutely gosh. outstanding.
3: Oh my gosh.
1: I just got the chills, that's impressive.
3: Well, and what a great idea!
1: Absolutely.
3: across their entire education every class involved. I absolutely love that. Can we take a step back, and can you tell us what the parable of the talents is that we're talking about, in case some of our listeners aren't familiar?
4: Yeah, the the parable of the talents is, um, Jesus tells a story about a master calls three servants, and he gives each of them um, a certain amount of talents. To one he gives, and, and obviously the Synoptic Gospels, you can find it in a couple different Gospels, but The one I chose, um, he gives one master, or he gives one servant three, five talents, he gives the second servant three talents, and he gives the final servant one talent. And the Bible basically tells us that a talent is about a year's wage. And obviously there's a little play on words here as well, because um, you know, today we can use the word talents and talk about the skills and the gifts and the, mm-hmm. and the blessings that, that God has bestowed upon us and what we're going to do with them. You know, I try to teach her, in part, and my students that, you know, what we've been given from God is God's gift to us, and what we do with those gifts um, is our gift back to God. And so in the parable of the talents, um, the, the first two servants um, invest their money and double it and the third servant is uncertain as to what to do, so he buries it because he doesn't want to lose it. And when the master returns, they all have to um, report on, on, on their investment. And uh, to the first two, um, the master rewards them and, and tells them, well done, good and faithful servant. And with the third servant, he sort of uses it as a teachable moment um, saying that you know, I gave you these talents. You know, why didn't you use them? Mm-hmm. Why didn't you put them to a better use rather than burying them and hiding them? So your and students so that's got the a premise that we built on.
3: Right, your students got a very real-world experience on how that worked. What are some of the things that they did to uh, increase um, their funds?
4: Well, well, that was the amazing part. The the creativity and the energy of the students was nothing short of. Of inspirational, um, they had bake sales, candy sales. Um, many students did handmade projects, like like handmade uh, prayer bracelets, art projects, greeting cards, watercolor paintings, oil paintings, um, handmade. Um, many handmade items. Um, one student, yeah, uh, one student uh, picked up trash in their neighborhood. Um, some students walked dogs. They did car washes. And some of the some of the results were um, two of my seventh grade girls um, raised over seven hundred dollars alone uh, by by having a bake sale. One hmm. student raised close to four hundred dollars um, selling candy. Um, I had a team of of a couple of girls who made the prayer bracelets. They raised over five hundred forty dollars. Um, I had a group of three young men. Who um, went with more of the physical approach? They they offered lawn care services and came in with over four hundred dollars. And, and even the teachers—I got to send a shout out to them. The teachers contributed over seven hundred and thirty dollars.
1: Mm, wow!
3: Wow! Well, for those of you that are just tuning in, you're listening to Real Presence Live. Um, and we're talking this morning with Dwayne Eichley um, from The Light of Christ Catholic Schools. And we're talking about uh, the parable of talents and how he had his students bring that into their lives. And it went through every class that they took. And they were also given funds and asked to uh, expand on those funds. And what was the grand total that they, they started with, what, 1200
4: yeah, they started with, you know, I had a I had $1,200 from a, a generous donor, and each student um, was given um, a $10 bill. And I have 107 students. I offered, you know, the teachers wanted to participate right alongside the students. However, the teachers wouldn't take any of the, they, they just, you know, they didn't take any of the startup money. They just did it all um, through the goodness of their hearts. And so starting with $1,200, we ended up with $10,860 that we donated to the Diocese of Bismarck and the African Mission, um, the Kenya Mission Water Filtration Project.
3: So how many of the students were able to increase their funds? Were there some that lost their shorts?
4: (laughs) (laughs) No, not really. No, every student... Every student participated, every student, um, I I got something back from every single student. Um, You know, what's interesting is when Jesus tells the parable, we know that each of the three participants, there is success varied. And every time I've done this project with my students, it follows a similar pattern. There's always an individual or two that isn't quite sure what to do with their talents, um, Mm -hmm. but they always at least give it back. Um, and but rather than focus on that, I I love to focus on the graces and the fruits of this project. Um, mm-hmm. I saw students, including other students that uh, was that were looking for someone to work with. Um, they they included them and welcomed them in their group. Um, I had students that that kind of came out of their comfort zone for the first time, and the confidence mm-hmm. that they grew in was was beautiful. Um, I have a student who kind of waited to the last minute. And he invested his $10. He returned 50 which I, I think is incredible. But he, he approached me with a little bit of remorse in his voice, and he just said, you know, I didn't buy into this right away. And he said, but, you know, I, I, at the end I, I got involved and did something, and here's my $50, but gosh, I wish I would have done more. And that lesson that he learned in and of itself, I think, is a beautiful grace. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite stories is... Um, The the final total was $10,858.46, and I kind of prayed on that, and I was thinking, that's kind of an odd amount, I should maybe level that off, and my wife and I could make a donation and, and kind of make it a nice even number, but something just, something inside told me, no, that, you know, this is what the students did, just leave it alone. Well, the next morning, I come to school, and there's a little anonymous note left on my desk, and... No, beautiful. And the note said, um, please add this money to the water filter project. I did the math. We will now have enough money to buy um, 181 water filters.
2: And the amount
4: of money that they left was (laughs) $1.54, which made it a a perfect $10,860. And we were sort of informed that each water filter costs about $60. And so I think that, that comes to about 181 water filters somewhere in there.
3: Oh, wow! Um,
4: but the enthusiasm in their voices, the bounce in their step, and the charity of their hearts—I um, oh, nice. think that was also the beauty of this project. You know, not just uh, not just the funds that we raised and the, and the help that we'll be able to provide, but the you know the the students giving you know were given an opportunity to live the gospel message, and it just it just blossomed Wonderful. in them.
3: Well, Dwayne, we're running out of time this morning, and I think we could talk to you all hour. Absolutely. Real quick, can you give out some contact information if somebody is interested in starting this program in maybe one of their youth groups or their own classroom?
4: Um, Yeah, absolutely. Um, They could contact me. Um, um, My information is dikely at lightofchristschools.org. They could also go on our Light of Christ Facebook page, our Our person, Lisa Cook, did a beautiful video on it, if they're interested in hearing firsthand from the students. Um, Or just contact Light of Christ, Light of Christ uh, or St. Mary's Academy in Bismarck, and they'll put you in touch with me, and I'm more than happy to share this project with others.
3: It's a beautiful,
4: it's a great way of of doing the works of mercy.
3: All right, well, thank you so much.
1: Absolutely, thanks, Mr. Eichle.
4: Not a problem, my pleasure. Again, thank you for having me on, and Thank you for helping us um, sort of spread the story. Absolutely. Um, I, I also good would good like to just give I would like to give one last shout-out, if I could, please. Um, I just want to say thanks to my students and my colleagues um, for, for doing this, but also I'd, I'd like to say a, a big thank you for our Bishop Kagan, who um, is just a champion of Catholic education in Bismarck. And um, so, um, anyway, I just wanted to get that shout-out out there and, and give the proper thanks to where it belongs and also to Weston Kathy Pebble from Williston, who started this um, water filter project. And you can find more information about that in the Dakota Catholic Action.
3: Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Dwayne. Absolutely. Yeah, Go thank s- you for
4: your time. I, I hope I didn't
3: run you over too much. <laughs> <short>. <laughs> That's okay. You're just cutting into Chris's time. We don't care. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> okay. I, I, all right. It's
1: good. It's humbling for me. But yes, good.
3: <laughs> good stuff. Good well, stuff. Well, again, thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate right. it.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Go Saints! <laughs>
3: All right. All right. Well, it's time for our first break of the morning. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about Chris Euler and who he is. And then, <laughs> don't forget, it's Straight Talk coming up right after that, where you can call in and ask any questions you might have on the Catholic faith. Uh, stay tuned. All this and more right here on Real Presence Live.
1: you know, just to jump on that comment, too, of just having those responses of being able to defend the faith, you know, no matter who we talk to. I mean, there's so many people that just aren't really familiar with the church teaching. So to be able to clarify that and to be kind of the light of Christ in the world, to bring that actual truth, the the beauty, to actually bring that to people, I think has just made, you know, it's a different changer for both of us.
5: And I think, um, as you talked about, just knowing the truth of the church. So even if you know what the church teaches, can you really make that argument and support it every day? Right. Day in and day out. And that's been a big thing for me is having this resource that you can sit and listen and learn so much. A big thing for me was even as a healthcare provider, knowing what abortion is and how it works, listening on real presence radio one day to somebody, a healthcare provider actually talking through step by step. What that goes through was just, a a game changer for me and as far as being able to vocalize that to other people so that they really understand what abortion is Mm -hmm. and why the church teaches what they teach.
3: We're excited to broadcast live from the Minnesota Catholic Home Education Conference on Saturday, June 1st at the University of St. Thomas in St. Paul, Minnesota. From 9 to 1, here conference speakers and vendors share their knowledge on topics including homeschooling curriculum, living a liturgical life, minimalism for homeschooling families, how homeschooling fosters creativity, avoiding college debt, and so much more. Listen on the radio online on our app and on Google and Amazon devices on Saturday, June 1st from 9 to 1 at the Minnesota Catholic Home Education Conference. We all appreciate the comforting things in life. Great food, laughter, celebrating mass together and friendships. Here at Riverview, we have all those things and more. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director. With Senior Independent Living Apartments and our Crosshaven neighborhood for those seniors who need a little more assistance, it is the sense of community here that makes Riverview Home to all of us. Contact me, Carrie Du or Kelly Brecky for a tour at 701-237-4700 or online at homeishere.org.
4: You're listening to the RPR Network. Now back to more Real
1: Presence Live.
3: Good morning, I am Heather Carroll,
1: and I'm Chris Euler.
3: Thank you for joining us this fine morning on Real Presence Live. We're broadcasting this morning from Aberdeen, South Dakota. where. Hanging out in the uh, break room of Sacred Heart. Parish. Absolutely, yeah. So, Chris, this is this is your time.
1: Uh oh. The
3: next twenty <laughs> minutes is all going to be about Chris.
1: Oh, Jesus, take the wheel. Okay, so maybe it's ten, <laughs> minutes, <laughs> 10 minutes. Ten minutes. Ten minutes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you're like, how am I supposed to fill it? No. So you're brand new, just joining me this morning I as am. my co-host for the first time. Absolutely. You've done one interview for Real Presence Live.
1: I did, yeah. I did it last fall.
3: So I- tell us a little bit about who Chris Euler is. Euler?
1: Euler, yeah. So I tell people it's like Ferris Bueller without the B.
3: And It was all so, I could do to not say Bueller.
1: Yeah. Bueller. I don't blame you. I, I mean, I, I get it you all get the time. It, I sure. do. I do. It's, I'm used to it. Um, so, a little bit about me. Well, first off, uh, born and raised in uh, Bismarck, North Dakota. I'm a product of Light of Christ Catholic Schools. Uh, just like Mr. Akeby talked, I went K-12 through 12 there and then decided to continue my education in Bismarck at the University of Mary. Go Marauders! I uh, graduated from there and uh, with my history education degree and a Catholic Studies degree. Hmm. And I am now uh, Campus Minister at Roncalli High School here in Aberdeen. I also uh, will be teaching some classes uh, next fall, uh, a couple of religion courses. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um,
3: How long have you been teaching? Because you look like you might be 12 or 13. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, it's funny you say that because I was going to shave this morning. So <laughs> my, my beard is what keeps me keeps me at least halfway I can say that because I'm 40. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah
1: I, I'm only 24 so okay I uh, I started at Roncalli in August um and it's been great you know, I absolutely love it um but more importantly than you know my job and stuff I I uh, my wife and I have been married for 11 and a half months Wow so we'll be up on a year here uh, June 15th and uh, we have a six week old son named blaze.
3: Congratulations!
1: Thank you. How is
3: that going?
1: That's going really well, actually. He's 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 a pretty good little guy. Doesn't well? How would you know? Well, in comparison, you know, everybody always
3: says, "Oh, that baby is such a good baby." But how would you really know if it was a bad baby? I don't. Know,
1: people, <laughs> I don't
3: think there is such a thing.
1: People tell me. I don't know. <laughs> I don't
3: know. <laughs> he doesn't. I'm just harassing. Oh yeah.
1: Him. <laughs> so he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't scream too much. Like he doesn't cry a whole lot. You know. He's, yeah. He. He grunts all night other than that, you know, so we had to banish him to the hallway. To you the know. hallway. Yeah. So my wife couldn't sleep. Please tell me he was...
3: he's not just on the floor. In
1: the uh, he is not on the floor. He's in a bassinet. <laughs> I call it a Moses basket because that's what it looks like, you know, so. <gasps>
3: sure. Yeah,
1: so I, my wife didn't like the joke I made, but I'm like, well, if we, if we have to. He's banished. We can float him down the hall, we can float him down the hallway. Yeah. to Pharaoh, and she was like, that's not
3: nice. We what does is, is your wife do? Uh,
1: my wife, actually, so she was, uh, she's was, she got her social work degree, um, but she's actually going to stay at home uh, okay. and do some stuff uh, working here in town uh, for her dad, and then she used to work at Safe Harbor here in town, which is a, a domestic violence shelter. Wow. Uh, and she's hopefully going to help out with some stuff there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but she's going to uh, mostly be staying at home staying at home so, so
3: a north dakota boy ends up in aberdeen south dakota mm-hmm. how did that happen
1: uh so uh well at UMary, mary i met mariah my wife mm-hmm. uh and we were dating and then we got engaged and uh she got a job down here before i had gotten a job and so we're like all right oh we'll come down here so here you are uh, here we are I was actually working in uh, – I was doing some <coughs> contracting work last summer and got a phone call um, early August saying, hey, I, I'm from uh, Mr. Tim Wise, uh, the president. He's like, I need a campus mm-hmm. minister. And uh, that's how I wound up at Roncalli, So How's it been? It's been incredible. Yeah. I absolutely love it. The students are amazing. Like that's – I go to work every day, but it doesn't feel like I'm working. I know. Like it's just – it's perfect. Yeah. And so I get a chance to interact with those young people – I have a lot of fun with them. Um, I have a lot of opportunities to really get to know them and build that relationship, um, and I found that to be like the most. I mean, a lot of people are in our world today. You know, they, there's a lot of focus put on, well, these are the church's teachings, and which is a good thing. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Those have to be enforced, but I've been finding it's such a beautiful witness just to get to know them. Mm. to get to know who they are, what they like. Like I have a speaker in my room and every so often they're like, oh, let me connect to the speaker. And so I get to like hear the music they listen to mm-hmm. and I make fun of them for it sometimes. Sometimes <laughs> I enjoy it. Um, and even though I do some coaching up there and uh, get to know them on that level too, just from a different aspect of, a, mm-hmm. of, um, of that coaching side of things, getting to, to work with them. And to help form them into human beings, into good human beings that hopefully one day we can keep on growing in, them into saints. Right. So starting now, planting those seeds. And so uh, it's really, really awesome.
3: So looking back at your own, you know, you're starting fairly new into the teaching of and educating and, and bringing people into the fold real quick. Can you think back to your previous life? What was most impactful for you that brought you to where you are today?
1: I would have to say actually my time at St. Mary's High School. Okay. My freshman year, my religion teacher, he's actually, he's the principal now, uh, Mr. Reed Ruggles. He was my freshman religion teacher, and you step into that classroom, and it's just like electric. Like he's excited. He's uh, on fire for the faith but he was also very, he wanted to get to know you. He so wanted, that's
3: how you're, you're bringing it along. Yeah.
1: And so I was really impacted by that. And from there, I always wanted I actually kind of always wanted to be a religion teacher mm-hmm. because of the experience I had. And so him, Reed Ruggles, father, Josh Waltz, Mr. Eichley, uh, and Mr. Nick Emmel I could, I could go on a laundry list of folks that had that impact on my life that I want to do the same for. And so, um, I can say it's it's been really beautiful to be able to do that. So,
3: oh, there we go. You know what that means probably?
1: Oh, uh, yes.
3: It is Straight Talk Time folks. We have Dr. Chris Bergwald on the line. He's in Sioux Falls, South Dakota and knows a thing or two about the faith. So if you have any questions that you would like to ask about the faith, we would be happy to try and answer them. The number is 877 7950122. Again, the number is 877 877- Seven nine five zero one two two, or you can submit any questions you might have on Facebook. Do- Good morning, Doctor Bergwald. Good morning, Heather. How are you? I do well. How are you? Good. I found a replacement. Uh- <laughs> 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 yes,
0: I'm but kidding. Not, not, not the first name, please. I just want to point that out.
3: Oh, Chris. I like that name.
0: Exactly.
3: It's a good name. It is a good name. How are things in Sioux Falls this morning?
0: Rainy. Really? Rainy.
3: That's not good for the farmers.
0: No, it's not. Um, Yeah, Mm -hmm. I definitely hope that... um, and I know, I know that um, southeastern Sioux Falls are not. Or, sorry, southeastern South Dakota is not unique this way, but definitely important that we pray for our farmers throughout uh, mm-hmm. the upper plains, the Midwest, the the the, the other the, the other plains, the southern plains. I don't know whatever we call that region. <laughs> uh, but, <yeah. laughs>
3: you lots, too. Lots
0: of rain, hard for them to get in the fields. So absolutely. Important. Well, thanks for joining
3: thing. us for Straight Talk.
2: Yeah, yeah happy here. So,
3: uh, we're excited to have you on to answer any questions people might have on faith or even current events. The number is eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. If you have a question for Dr. Bergwald, I don't answer questions, but maybe Chris Euler might answer some questions too. We'll see. I don't, I don't we'll like see what he questions. can do. We'll eight, see. Eight seven 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 nine five. Zero one two two, or you can submit any questions that you might have on Facebook. Okay, so any t- current events that is—I uh, was thinking—I was listening to Teresa Tomio this morning about uh, the visitation. Any thoughts on that, Doctor Bergwald?
0: Uh, the, the feast of the visitation.
3: Yes, that's coming up.
0: It is coming up, actually, and there's another feast, actually uh, you can oh. uh well, I'll come back to that in a minute. um the feast of visitation uh my thoughts on the feast of the thing I think the thing that when I pray the um second joyful mystery um in thinking about the visitation what probably strikes me the most is how Mary. After the Annunciation, has this incredible, obviously, experience. You are going to be the mother of God, and mm-hmm. what does she do? Does she go into the the the, the, the town square in Nazareth? Hey, everybody, guess what? <laughs> no, no, she goes and serves. She mm-hmm. goes to help her cousin, um, who's pregnant and is is beyond normal child childbearing years. And she goes to be with her, and she doesn't tell, she doesn't tell Elizabeth, Hey, Elizabeth, guess what? You no, know, Elizabeth, through the power of the Holy Spirit, um, uh, comes to know what, what has happened to Mary. But Mary's humility and her, her um, humble service um, is probably what strikes me most about, uh, about the, the, uh, the visitation.
3: Yeah, well, and I think this morning, Teresa Tommy, I was talking about how it was 100 miles to get there. 100 miles, and she's 15 walking. They would walk 20 miles a day. Wow, yeah. I can't walk 20 miles a day, Mm -mm. let alone five days in a row.
1: No, I'm with you.
3: That's amazing.
1: Especially pregnant. Yeah, exactly, yeah.
0: And I don't know when when you're without sin. I'm not sure if you still suffer from from morning sickness or not. But if she did, oh my goodness! Oh my
3: goodness!
1: (laughs) Yeah, that would be uh, that would be. I wonder. I've always wondered that. Like you know, did with Mary being without sin? Yeah. Did she have the same effects? You know, because you look back to the Book of Genesis. Yeah. And all these, you know, Genesis three sixteen actually is like women have. Mm experienced the pains of childbirth, and uh, it's just, it's, it's always been a question in my mind, did Mary experience that? But I don't know if that, I don't know if we can answer that, can we?
0: Uh, um, well, some of us think we can. (laughs) 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 So I would say that the the common, I think, I think it's safe to, so, I I will, I think it's always important to make a crucial distinction. Has the Church spoken to this question or not in the definitive way? And I don't think she has answered that explicit question. So, um, we can't say definitively, but the common theological tradition, um, which which in the end might not be correct because the Magisterium hasn't formally taught this, but the common theological tradition, in other words, what, what theologians throughout the centuries have thought, uh, is that Mary did not experience mm. um, the pangs of childbirth because she was without sin. And as you just said, Chris, uh, we, we know um, from Genesis 3 that, or it seems to be the case, that, that chi- mm. the pains of childbirth are the result of original sin. Mary didn't have that, ergo, therefore, she wouldn't have experienced that seems to follow but again the magisterium has spoken definitively now interesting what the mag- interestingly what the magisterium has taught is that mary retained her perpetual virginity mm-hmm. And the, it, you got to pay attention to language here before during and after the birth of jesus so even while she was giving birth miraculously her physical virginity remained intact
3: mm-hmm. um
0: before during, and
3: after. Well, that could be a whole other discussion. Oh, I agree.
0: And <laughs> when, when, I'm sure there are many, many people throughout the diocese, but I think in our diocese, Monsignor Charles-Mengen, who's the director of our Office of the Marian Apostolates, um, would, I know, be happy to talk about that on Real we'll present slide at some point.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. That'd be really cool. It's, yeah. Mary kind of had her own supernatural epidural. So. <laughs> <laughs> with himself. with himself.
3: <laughs> all right well we have our first caller on the line ron from rapid city good morning ron what's your question for us
4: uh, good morning and first of all thank you for all that you do for us out here in the field so to speak and i do have a question for dr bergwald and uh the question is is that uh what are Catholics really supposed to believe about the death penalty? Are we to support that or are we to be against that or what is the official position of the Catholic Church? Yeah, thanks, Ron. That's a great question.
0: Um, because there's, there, there People often ask that in the context of all the life issues, uh, we, we know when the church stands in abortion, what about the death penalty? And it's a little bit more nuanced with the death penalty than it is with abortion, um, because the, the truth on abortion is pretty straightforward. You cannot deliberately kill an innocent human being. That's why um, the, the death—or that's why abortion— um, is, is not morally permissible. Um, what about the death penalty, though? Well, the Church has always taught from the very beginning that the, the state, the government, does retain the power of the sword. In other words, the state has the authority and right, uh, in certain circumstances, to take life. Um, I think uh, a just war is one example of that. The death penalty can be another instance of that and I said can be for for uh, uh on purpose so the the state has the authority to to um, uh, employ the death penalty, but should she always do should the state always Use the death penalty. And lately, last by 25 years, um, our popes have been more and more calling uh, to our minds that while the state always has the authority, the right to take a life through the death penalty, is it always necessary? Mm-hmm. Um, in other words, um, do we need to use the death penalty? historically one reason um, why why the church support has always supported the right of uh, of a state to use death penalty is to protect people i mean you know to keep people who were um murderous and so on from doing harm um the but now, in in our country at least, where you have uh, prisons where um, where dangerous inmates can be kept secure, safe, uh, so society and, frankly, the other inmates and 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 prison guards and staff, if they can be kept stay- safe, safe. There doesn't need to uh, be—there's not a reason we have to use the death penalty in the vast majority of instances. Theoretically, who knows? Maybe there'd be be some reason. But when there's a way, in other words, to keep uh, people safe from those who might do them harm, then the Church teaches that it'd be best not to take a life, because justice doesn't always require that we do to somebody what they did. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we, we confuse justice with vengeance that way. Um the reason uh whenever we, we, we put somebody in jail, we usually put them in jail. The punishment is where they're jailed, they're imprisoned, but they didn't imprison somebody else. They may have stolen the car. The penalty isn't we're gonna take your car, the penalty is we're going to put you in prison. Mm-hmm. Um similarly, if you take a life, we're going to imprison you maybe for the rest of your life. So mm-hmm. Bottom line, all of that, uh, the Church continues to say that the state has the authority to use the penalty, but is really saying, at least in countries like ours, if there's a way to keep society, uh, prison guards, prison inmates, um, uh, other in, uh, other other prison staff safe, then we shouldn't. that uh, that's, I think, what the Church is saying today. Does that answer your question, Ron? That
4: answers it very well, and I appreciate your answer. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Thank have you, a great Ron. day, Ron. You okay. Thank
3: you. Bye. So that was yeah. a great question from Ron. If you want to join in the conversation or have a question on a completely different topic, please give us a call. 877-795-0122. Dr. Chris Bergwald's on the line to help us answer these questions. Again, the number is 877-795-0122, or you can submit any questions that you might have on Facebook. So, a tough question right out of the gate.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, but a good one, and a common yeah. one, because I think there are a lot of questions about um, what the Church teaches. Um, uh, because that's, that is another life issue, even though there's mm-hmm. a little bit more subtlety to it than than the question of abortion. Um, it certainly is a life issue, and in South Dakota... Um, the the bishops, both in Sioux Falls and in Rapid City, have generally um, urged uh, restraint in the use of the death penalty for, for the reasons that I explained to Ron. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, it's, it's a good topic, and I think one that needs to be brought up more often.
1: Absolutely, yeah. especially in light of recent events where people are, with all the new pro-life leg- legislation happening around our country, um, we need to be more holistic, I think, in our view of how we are pro-life. And so I think that was fantastic. Good. That's to why hear. we have him on the line. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay. So we have, it looks like another question that is on the line. We're going to see if we can't get her moved over. Amy, are you on the line with us? Yes, I am. All right. You've got a question for us this morning. Hi, Lee.
5: Yes. Hi. Um, I re- I moved to a small town um, a couple of years ago. I lived in a bigger city um, and I'd go to daily mass with my kids. And um, the priest there was really great. And the congregation there was really great. Um, and it can be chaos, as you know, going to mass by yourself with little ones. And I have three children that are six and under. Um, and I And I don't mean to talk bad about the church or anything like that but the daily mass when you go is usually a majority of older people um so i'm the youngest person there and the only person with kids and i feel like when i go to mass i feel like there's a lot of tension i feel like i'm like it's just disruptive to everybody else and what they're used to and i and i feel bad um i want other people to be able to enjoy the mass i don't want to feel like i'm disrupting some, you know, a community of people who were used to it being quiet, and now all of a sudden it's not. So I'm just trying to find a balance of of what to do. I want to go to Mass, but at the same time, um, I don't want to be ruining anybody else's time there. So it's just kind of like, what what do I do? Do I go to Mass? Should I stay at home? Should I only go one day a week instead of going, you know, Monday through Friday? So I'm just trying to Find a balance
0: of what to do. That's a great question, Amy, um, and I totally am with you. Uh, our oldest was 19 months old when uh, my wife gave birth to our twins. So we had <laughs> three kids under two for a while, and then certainly um, they were under six for a long time. And uh, there was more than once where, during Sunday mass, at least, I had to make the great walk of shame uh, <laughs> from our people <laughs> in the front out Daddy, please don't spank me! So, um, yeah. I completely know what you mean. You said that, that um, the priest was very welcoming and so on, and again, we're, we're, we're not uh, naming names and we're not, not blaming anybody. Uh, is it still the same priest who, when you moved to the community, Amy?
5: No, I had a, it was a different priest in a different community that I went to before, and so then I moved to a very small town. That has a through K-12 okay. school, um, you know, and, and like I said, you know, I, I'm not upset or mad or bad-mouthing the priest or the congregation, but I don't get a good vibe when I'm there. I kind of feel like a tension with everybody, like, oh my gosh, you know, here's this lady yep. coming in and just dis- disrupting everything.
0: <laughs> yep. I, I mean, if 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 there's an opportunity, it sounds like there may not be yet, um, and and maybe pray for the opportunity, but to visit with the priest about it when you feel like ready, and and, and you can have that conversation, and just just pick his brain. I I would tell you, Amy. Uh, okay, the presumption here is I'm sure this is the case. Um, that you know, you're you're doing your best to keep your kids under control. You're not letting them run up uh, by the altar and everything like that. No, better. no. Yep, yep. So, no, just, you I,
5: know. I would
0: keep going. I mean, it, it, to me, it's a great. And I know what you mean. Like the my my own parish, the 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 normal daily mass crowd is is by and large retired folks uh, who are able to be there at eight thirty um, in the morning. But I I would encourage you. I think. To keep going, um, and, and maybe again, if, if and when the opportunity presents them itself, to um, to visit with the priest and maybe visit with some of the other folks. Um, yeah, sometimes we can get disrupted when our our routine gets disrupted, um, and so we can get frustrated. But you have a right to be there, and I, and I don't, I'm not being harsh about the other mass attendees. Um, but you you have a right to be there to receive the sacraments, and, and if you're doing your best um, and your kids aren't, you know, completely out of control, then I, I wouldn't. I, 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 it's good that you're concerned about the other people. That's that's uh, charitable on your part, um, but I, I wouldn't let that. Um, just, be, just because the routine is a little bit disrupted, to me, doesn't is not enough reason where you, where if I were in issues, I'd feel like oh, I can't go to the anymore. You want to be there; it's it's great that you want to be there. I keep pursuing that desire. Again, always being attentive to doing your best to to keep the kids as as uh, non disruptive as possible. Yes.
5: Right. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you Wait, so much. What,
0: does that, does that help, Amy, or any, any follow-up questions? Yes, it does, because
5: I just, I wasn't sure if I should, you know, if I should stop going to the daily Mass and just, you know, go to church on Sundays. Um, you know, I wasn't sure if my desire to be there to kind of recharge my stay-at-home mom self was, if I was being selfish and kind of taking away from other people by having Little
0: ones, there when they're not used to it, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I and, and again, I think that's, that's beautiful that you have that desire, but I would say no, um, that that shouldn't prevent you, keep you from going uh, to mass. Keep, I'd say keep going. Okay.
5: Okay. Well, well, thank, thank you. you, Amy. Thank you, Amy. God yeah. You.
3: Take care. Yep. yep. Bye. Okay. Well, we're in the middle of straight talk. It's uh, real presence live this morning, and. Dr. Chris Bergwald is joining us on the phone. If you have any questions for Dr. Bergwald, you can call and ask those questions. You can call 877-795-0122. Again, 877-795-0122. Or you can submit any questions you might have on Facebook. Looks like we have an anonymous question for you, Dr. Bergwald. Uh, they want to know. They want to know more about praying for the dead. Are there any special prayers one can say for the dead, and how would they benefit from these prayers?
0: That's a great question. Um, <laughs> let's start at the end. There, how would they benefit from these prayers? So, um, we know because God has revealed it uh, through the through through the church, His teachings through the church. We know that. Um, there is this state after we die called what we call purgatory, where any any imperfections, any any minor um, what the church calls venial sins, um, any any sinful desires that we have, those are cleansed, they're, they're purified, they're purged, it's purgatory, um, after we die, before we go into heaven. because we know explicitly in Scripture that nothing unclean, Will enter into heaven. Nothing unclean mm-hmm. at all. So we need to be perfect to get into heaven. If I'm not perfect um, when I die, that, then I have to be perfected, purified, purged after I die.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: So um, that's what purgatory is. And actually, there there are um, typically this is uh, one of the the issues that separates Catholics. From Protestant Christians, but there are actually a number of Protestant theologians who uh, believe in purgatory or the reality that we call purgatory, even if they don't use that term. Um, so, just that's a little side note that it, that it's generally a Catholic distinctive, but not completely. So, because they there are souls who are in purgatory, um, we are still all joined together as the body of Christ. The baptized who are in heaven. Purgatory and on earth are joined together, and just as I can pray for Heather um, for a need of hers, or for Chris for a need of his, so too can I pray for the souls in purgatory. Um, and my prayers somehow um, enable them to get out of purgatory more quickly. Now, that's kind of just a a way we speak of purgatory. We don't really know what time is like because it's on the other other side of death. Um, Mm -hmm. But somehow our prayers are able to um, sort of speed up the purification maybe or intensify it Um, So that it's, it's quicker. We're not sure exactly what the mechanism, if you will, is, but somehow we can pray for the dead, meaning those souls in purgatory in particular, and that allows them to get from purgatory to heaven more quickly. So that, that's how they benefit. Uh, in terms of, of special prayers, there's not really. I mean, there are all sorts of prayers that have been written for the dead, and frankly, you can Google those, do an internet search for those. Um, but it can also just be a uh, made up. Uh, you know, so I, for all the souls in purgatory, especially them, my beloved, and those who have no one to pray for them. That's how I do yeah. it. That's completely made up. Um, all the souls in purgatory, all of them especially my beloved, so those men and women, uh, maybe who I've known or who have been part of my family, but also I pray for the souls in purgatory who have no one to pray for them, um, because there are, I'm guessing, many, many, many people mm-hmm. who have died and don't have anyone to pray for them in purgatory, so that's the mm-hmm. way that I try to help those, those, those souls out, if you will. Uh, guys, well, what do you go- think? How, how, How's that as an answer to the
3: question? Well, can we go back a step? And I have a, a question about it. Um, we're talking about praying for souls in purgatory. Why do we need to pray for souls in purgatory? Can't they mm-hmm. pray for themselves?
0: Right. Uh, uh, can you
3: pray for your... Well, okay. We can, uh, You're no, welcome.
1: They
0: can't. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they can't. Um, you know, we can pray in a sense for ourselves on earth, but when we're in purgatory... The souls in purgatory—they can't pray themselves, themselves out of purgatory that much more quickly. Why? I don't know. I don't know if anybody. Uh, I'm sure there's theological speculation on that. I—I I don't haven't seen that. But that—but we do know definitively: you—you you can't pray yourself out of purgatory. Um, I don't know if this is the reason. Frankly, I kind of like that in the sense that it reminds me that I'm dependent on other people. Mm. I can't. I can't do anything on my own. I don't exist on my own. I can't save myself. Um, I couldn't care care for myself when I was a baby. Um, I depend on God. I've depended on other people my entire life, and even when I'm in purgatory, I will depend on other people to get out of there
1: more quickly. So, to tie it in as well, can you talk a little bit about like redemptive suffering in Ooh, regards to yeah you know, in our so, own so life? We can,
0: yeah. So we can pray so we can pray for people right uh, on earth I include ourselves um, but we can we can pray for uh, a, a sick friend um, we can pray as we we're just saying for um, our deceased loved ones and others um, but in addition to praying for them, we can offer our sufferings up um, and those sufferings then. Can aid in whatever that prayer intention is. Um, so th- this is taught. Uh, this is spoken of in Saint Paul's first letter. Sorry, there's only one letter to the Colossians. It's Saint Paul's <laughs> letter to the Colossians, chapter one, I think, verse 24. Um, I think that's where it is, where he's where Saint Paul speaks about how um, he, by his sufferings, makes up for the the, the suffering, the lack of sufferings in Christ. And it's, if you think about the, the lack of sufferings, in, how, did, how did Jesus' suffering lack anything? Well, Jesus' suffering mm, was wow. perfect, but it lacks my contribution, in a sense. That's, that's how the Church has always understood what Paul meant. Jesus wants us, he wants me, he wants you to join our sufferings to his so that our sufferings can contribute to the salvation of the world. On our own, our sufferings, uh, as we know, oftentimes are meaningless. But when we join them to Jesus and His sufferings, they are salvific. They become redemptive, because His suffering is redemptive. So we can offer—there's a phrase that used to be really common— Kind of went away for a while, but it's it's coming back again. Offer it up, and that can be misunderstood. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, buck up, toughen up. But its truth, spiritual, theological significance is that I can offer my salvation up uh, for whatever prayer intention I might have in mind—the well, health, well-being, uh, conversion of somebody I know, a soul in purgatory, or or maybe even for my own intention. Um, we can offer our sufferings up for all of those things. Does that answer your question, okay. Chris?
1: Yeah, it did. Yeah, it was. It's just as I was thinking about when you mentioned purgatory, you know, and the necessity to be perfect as you go to heaven. Like we have that opportunity on earth, especially, you know, if we're struggling with, you know, I know Dante's Inferno or, or Dante's Purgatorio. Uh, it mentions the the different sins that are being yep. purged, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so we on earth struggle with that too. So and I know it's. I know Dante's not theologically like he's not doctrine, but it's right. pretty good. And yep. Yeah, yeah. So if we're struggling with similar things that we see in the different levels of purgatory, we can also in turn offer those up mm-hmm. absolutely and so I was just that was what was on my mind, and so I just wanted some more clarification on
3: that so well, and I think yep. it, it speaks to why we um, believe in life from birth to natural death right because that 's a chance for them to offer that their suffering you know if somebody has cancer and they're suffering that 's why we believe in. I hate to say it but letting them suffer
1: right right that's why you know euthanasia and everything mm-hmm. is right. out right. of the question you know suffering so many in in many ways, that suffering,
0: is, suffering is meaningless in many ways but it, we can give it meaning mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. joining it to Jesus' sufferings
1: absolutely so,
0: so can I can I get one last thing in before before we're done for today no
3: no can uh,
0: you I, well, yes I'll fit it in don't worry <laughs> alright <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> okay. great
0: so the uh, visitation came up. Well, the other the other feast I wanted to mention today is the first time that we as a church have been able to celebrate the quote unquote feast. It's actually an optional memorial, but the liturgical feast of Saint Pope Paul the Sixth. I happened hey. to go to Mass. I hey. to go to Mass this morning, um, and that was the Mass of the day, Pope Paul I the Sixth. Yeah, I love so, it. I love it.
1: There you go, Paul. St. Paul Sixth, pray for us. Pray, pray for, for us. us. little Humane Vitae plug for the day, huh? <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> there we go.
3: Well, thanks, Dr. Bergwald, for joining us on Straight Talk.
1: You're welcome, guys. God bless you both. Thank right, you. Have you a good well. day.
0: You
5: too. Bye-bye.
3: All right. Thank you to all those that called in or wrote in with your questions. This segment's on every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at 930 Central. Up next, Chelsea Hartman from the Bismarck Diocese will share her experiences with a camp that changed her life and how she's giving back. And later in the show, get ready to hear about events in your area. We're going to take the 10-minute tour, and we'll be right back on Real Presence Live. Stay right there.